Hi, everybody, and welcome to PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops. I'm Rick Nelson, AASHTO PSYCOP Coordinator. PSYCOP is an AASHTO technical service program supported by contributions from state DOTs with a common interest in advancing winter maintenance. It's important to take a minute to thank all those states who support PSYCOP year in and year out. Those contributions support PSYCOP programs like this podcast and coordination and collaboration with other pooled fund programs. And that brings us to this week. We're spending uh, a few days sitting in a hotel in a, in a state that's really warm outside discussing winter service uh, with Clear Roads Pool Fund Program at their spring meeting. On this episode of PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops, we're taking advantage of having all these experts in the same place to continue talking about the top 10 things for a world-class winter maintenance program. Three of these experts agreed to sit around the mic with me and, and discuss their uh, experiences with uh, snowplow route optimization. Welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us here on PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. So let's, uh, to sort of kick this thing off, uh, how about you guys introduce yourself a little bit and tell us a little bit about your, yourself and your program. Okay. Kyle Lester, Director of Highway Maintenance. Uh, in Colorado, I have uh, all winter operations, avalanche, uh, equipment. So all the key things that Clear Roads and PSYCOP love to talk about are all under within uh, my division. I'm Jim Hughes. I'm the State Highway Maintenance Engineer for the state of Wisconsin. Wisconsin's unique from most other states because we have 72 counties that we contract with to do all state highway winter maintenance. Wisconsin currently has 34,621 lane miles of state highway system that our counties take care for us. My name is Larry Gangle. I'm a Bismarck District Engineer. I supervise one of our eight districts. Uh, our district's located in, in South Central, North Dakota. We oversee, um, in my district, about 2,600 lane miles of roadway. Uh, statewide, we have about 15,000 lane miles of roadway. I supervise uh, roughly 100, 100 employees, 60 of which are on the maintenance side that do our snow plowing and, and all, all the other maintenance that we do in, in, this, in the summer. So I guess the question that, that we need to start with is, why did you start route optimization in your state. Uh, I think there's, you know, different motivators for, for different things. And, and uh, you know, for the folks listening in, I think it's, it's sort of good to, to get a feel for that. Who wants to go first? I, I can start with that one. We had, uh, we were looking at it initially just to, we wanted to, to make sure what we we're doing was, was right. But during our last legislative session, uh, the legislature kind of pushed us into it. They wanted us to do the same thing. They wanted us to look at our operations and, and in particular snow and ice control and make sure we were doing it um, as efficiently, um, the best we could with the resources we have. So there was some different options we looked at, but uh, we went with route optimization to, to really look at um, you know, each of our routes, each of our plows, and make sure they're doing, they're plowing in the best possible way that they can and most efficient way as they can. So we've just started the route optimization process. So we're looking at, we have uh, 350 plow trucks statewide. So we're looking at each one of those plow routes that those trucks operate on. Some, some trucks have multiple routes. And uh, we've just went through the first iteration of route optimization. And um, got, we got some initial results. Um, we realized when we got the initial results, we have to do some tweaking to that, the inputs that we put in. So, but just as a start, I guess that, that's where we're at with route optimization. We're, we're into it. Um, we went, went through the first iteration. And um, 
so far I think it, it, it looks beneficial. I think when we get to the end product, it's going to be real beneficial. You know, I guess one of the things is you say, well, you know, we've been plowing these roads forever, right, since they put wheels on trucks and maybe right. even before then. Um, you know, you'd think that you'd sort of over the years sort of have it figured out, which is the, the most optimal way to do that. And Jim, you're sort of shaking your head, and, and I think this is a good lead-in maybe for, for how Wisconsin jumped yeah. into this thing. Um, we, had a, we have a couple counties where the commissioners are, are engineers, and they're, they're pretty aggressive, always looking for the better ways of doing things. And uh, commissioner in Dane County, that's where the city of Madison, the capital of uh, Wisconsin is, came to us and said, look, I've got this great idea for route optimization using algorithms. And these algorithms are very powerful. I mean, they, they can place where all the trucks begin from, where they start from, where they start their routes, where they finish their routes. It'll balance out their routes. It'll know where their salt sheds are, their fuel, everything. And it can actually give you the very best route by reducing the number of left turns. It's a safety thing. There'll be more right turns. And he came to us with this plan, and he said, State of Wisconsin, what I'd love to do since we do our county highways and your state highways, we'd love to combine the low-volume state highways with our county highways to have a, a larger network. And he had this, this kind of a guesstimate in his mind that he had some, we had 70-some state highway routes. He thought he could reduce it to around 55. So um, we agreed to go ahead and team up with them and get people trained on how to run the, the algorithm and, and do this. And, and sure enough, he was very close to accurate. I think we, we ended up with 56 uh, state routes, and 56 trucks versus the 70, and we did give up one, one bit of level of service in that county. Since it worked so well there, we decided to offer it to the other 72 counties. And today we have 41 that are, are very interested in getting it done. I think I, I think I can add one thing. You said that you know we've been doing it a long time, and we, we should we should probably have it down as far as what our route should be. But ours kind of evolved over history. And it was one of those things that we think we're doing it right, but we've never really put a lot of analysis to it or we've never used any computer programs to really do that for us. So we thought this was an opportunity to do that and, and take up a, a computer model, if you will. We're using a, um, a computer-based program to do that. And we never have in our state done it that way. We've just, we do it through history. We, we've decided, and we've modified our role our routes over the years, but we've all done it through, you know, experience and, and working with our drivers, and we never put anything else to that. So that's that's one of the other reasons we went into route optimization. What's, what's going on in Colorado, Kyle? So we, uh, much like North Dakota, through history, we uh, developed our routes. So starting in this position, kind of talking to the field staff, uh, learning what the routes are, especially in the metro area, uh, I, was look, I was paying attention more to cycle times. How, what are their cycle times? When do they revisit this area? One thing I was finding was, uh, one, cycle times are, it's not a constant route because, you know, state patrol calls for additional sand or additional product in certain areas. It's an icy spot. And so the routes are never consistent. And the second thing is, back to the history of how routes are developed, uh, when, they, when crews get yelled at and they get scolded for not performing on an interchange or something like that, they have learned, it's a learned lesson, right? They, uh, they will now modify their route, and, and it's not logical anymore. It's just because they were scolded by state patrol and there was an accident and we got to double-do this 
interchange. So I found uh, the first test we did on in Golden, Colorado, on the Mountain Corridor I-70. Uh, took off with a crew, and they could not explain why first pass they go through and they plow all the way to the shoulder on the left, and they're going to go all the way up and make one complete pass around their whole patrol, when, and they have all these secondary routes instead of just staying on I-70. And when, By the time they got back to westbound I-70, um, it was two and a half hours later, and they still hadn't touched that section, section of highway. And when I asked the questions of why, they just said that's how we've always done it. And oh, and State Patrol wants us about five, ten years ago that this big accident happened <laughs> happened in this interchange, so they want us to do another cycle through this interchange. So that's why that. And so there was no real rhyme or reason to why these routes developed. It's a it's kind of learned through history. And uh, so we started a process of first mapping out what what the route is, what they what. I told the crews, tell us what, what your routes are. One key thing I wanted to know was, where are your problem areas? Because the crews always know where their trouble spots are. And I thought that was important because then I could, when we go in and do a route optimization, we need to know where those problems, problem areas are in case we actually have to do a double route or back, you know. Between this interchange and that interchange, you've got to do a, uh, hit it twice uh, because of you're maintaining your cycle times. Trying to get, especially in metro areas and in on interstate routes, get down to an hour cycle time for us. Some folks associate uh, route optimization with reducing garages or reducing routes, or you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get optimized out of a job sort of thing. What's your what's your experience uh, in seeing that? You know, Jim, you've you've done it and you've sort of pushed it out into the field. What, what's your take on that? Well, you know, I do think that that does happen. You become more efficient. You know, you can put your best controllers you can find into a room to come up with the best routes where where everything's located and what the best routes are. But when they compete with an algorithm, there's there's just no no chance of doing a better job than these algorithms. And I think the most important thing for route optimization is um, is the cycle time. When you when you're putting salt out on the road, granular material, and we know that's a chloride issue for a lot of environmental folks and getting into our groundwater, I believe our routes have to be around two and a half hours to give that material ample time to work. And now looking at going to liquids, we're thinking they may have to be two hours. We want to balance these routes. We used to have routes that were one hours and, and another route next to it be four hours. Now the route optimization balances that workload out. It reduces overtime and costs for the taxpayer, and the materials work much better so we can use less of them. Um, there's a lot of good things about route optimization. And the, the third thing is safety. More right-hand turns, less left-hand turns, and that's how you get the efficiencies out of your, your, your routes. How important is a dense network to route optimization? I, you know, it would seem to me that if if you've got a lot of opportunities to make, you know, right turns and, and you know, you've got a, a nice, dense network that you can work on. And, and I'm thinking like the, the uh, garbage pickup guys and, you know, those guys that run fixed routes, they, they run a pretty dense network. Um, how does that work with snowplow routing? Where I can say for ours, ours, ours really isn't dense. You know, ours, our plowing is in mainly rural areas. So that probably doesn't have as much impact on us as it does, you know, states with more metropolitan areas to plow. 
So for us, um, and, and getting back to your initial question about you know about the garages, we didn't we didn't go into it thinking one way or the other that we were going to reduce them. In fact, we thought there was a possibility we could we could add some. We just didn't know until we did the process. But we're going to make sure too that we have the right number of folks in each of our garages. So it's going to look at the numbers of employees that we have in each of the garages and, and make sure we have the right number. So that's the other thing we're doing with, with our rod optimization. Same thing. We, uh, we're Colorado, we're not approaching it like it's going to reduce anything. We're trying to put the, the right number of people at the right time in the right location. So on our interstate highways, our metropolitan areas. Uh, I actually thought, same thing, we would be adding facilities, but I was thinking more or I am thinking more um, resupply points. I see a lot of times we deadhead and we make decisions because we or we cut our product usage when maybe we should be putting it down heavy at a certain point in the storm, but we can't because we got to stretch that product because we don't have a resupply point or we end up deadheading back. So those are the things we're looking at. We're looking at FTE per lane mile during, during your average storms. Uh, we've done that analysis across the whole state. So really, you know, it's like you talked about, Jim, balancing some of these resources. If, if you've got guys that are, it's taken three hours to make a loop versus guys that are cycling every hour, you know, on a, on a grand scale where everything's sort of equal, uh, either one guy's uh, slacking a little bit or, or one guy's overperforming or working a little extra hard, um, you know, route optimization can, can sort of help you level those resources. Right. I think that's why Wisconsin can take such a a much larger takeaway from route optimization because we have the county forces that do all their winter maintenance combining it with their county routes. They used to have trucks just assigned to their county routes and they bump into each other where the state and the county highways meet. Now they've got that truck, runs on the state route for a while and then on the county routes and back on the state. So having that larger network using the counties, I... I believe that Wisconsin has the best winter maintenance model in the country because of that. We can find more efficiencies with that, that larger network than you can with this, just doing the state highway system by itself. Well, I was going to say, in, in a lot of spots, uh, you know, in rural Colorado, we have a lot of crews that just run point to point, right? They're, they have one highway or maybe just two highways, and you know the cross and so in that case route optimization is more looking at for us route optimization in the, what are, do they have the right staffing they have the right number of equipment or types of equipment and documenting where their problem areas are how, how are we treating those problem areas the known historic problem areas shading issues you know high sides of supers uh, icing problems um, Blowing snow is probably the biggest one that we deal with. Are they treating it correctly or documenting how are they treating it and then analyzing are they treating it correctly or is there another way to do it? Uh, so that's kind of the route optimization piece in rural Colorado with just, you know, single highways or just a few highways. Um, but metro is really where we're focusing a lot of it. And then the next steps for us is really once we once we build out that kind of static route optimization, like here's the best, during your average storm, here's the best route, the next layer that we're going to put in is we're going to add in traffic modeling, uh, incidents, and real, real-time real weather from our, our WIS stations and MDSS. So you think that in, in, in your, your end game is 
you have a kind of a light storm focused over on the northeast side your your routes may look like this if the storm moves to the other side of the city maybe your routes right. transition well it'll def will move resources it'll give it'll i want a dynamic routing system that will give direction to the operator based off of traffic incidents we don't want tra we don't want our plows our echelons of plows there's many times we have six plows in echelon an interstate highway pushing and all of a sudden there's a traffic incident and there's a mile of traffic backup and those plows aren't doing any good just sitting there I want to get them off the off that route and reroute to the next best route, you know. Um, or if the storm hits in the different parts of the of the metro area along the Front Range, I want to uh, use the resources wisely. So I want to reposition those resources to where the storm's hitting. What are the What are the important inputs that that go into into a, a route optimization program? So you're you're getting ready to make your runs in North Dakota. Um, what, what kinds of things do you have to, to put into the model? Well, I know, I know one of the things that uh, through our initial run we realized it was, was not correct. One was uh, the, the plowing speed. Mm. We used 35 to start with, and we're thinking we didn't want to do, um, you know, we didn't want to make it so it was like a, a real severe storm. You know, we wanted to try to get a good average plowing speed. We thought we thought it was 35, but when we actually ran the numbers, the numbers looked a little skewed to us through the route optimization. So we uh, we went back and looked at some of our plows and found out it was probably more like 27, 28 miles an hour. That really changed our numbers when we ran it through the route optimization process. So that's that's definitely one input. That's that's important. Cy cycle time, what you choose for cycle time. Mm -hmm. We looked at our uh, levels of service. We modeled it after that, and after we got thinking about it, um, we did some modifications to that as well. So you really have to, those inputs mean a lot, and you got to make sure you're you're doing the right things when it comes to, you know, the initial inputs. And you should put a lot of thought into that process because um, we're going through our second run now. I haven't got that data yet, but it's going to make a big difference. I think it's going to um, probably come out more like what we thought it would. Mm -hmm. So we'll see when we get the actual numbers, but um, those two are, are definitely um, important inputs. Jim, you've you've run the model several times. Mm -hmm. um, have you sort of stabilized your inputs, so to no, speak, um, or you know, I think North Dakota is exactly right. We 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 run everything at thirty-two miles an hour, two and a half hour cycle times, and. Um, 300 pounds of salt per lane mile. Of course, now when we start going more liquids, that's going to change. When we get in along the river, Mississippi River, it's hillier. We run more the 25 mile an hour. You know, uh, we we change the mile depending which county we're actually doing doing it for. And we look at the terrain and features like that. They had a lot of hills out there along the river, so it does slow down the operators and. Um, we we got to take into account for that because the most important thing to us is getting that cycle time right. So it gives that the chemicals a chance to get the best use out of them. And that's um, one of the biggest things we like in route optimization is to utilize those chemicals and not plow chlorides into the ditch that are that haven't been used. So there's 70 some counties. 72 in, counties. 72 in counties in Wisconsin, and and how. How far along are we? How far along are you? Okay, we've completed 22 counties. In the 22 counties, it said 
and that's county routes and state routes. And it's the model says, you know, we could eliminate it 80 routes by now, honestly, and still maintain the same level of service we have today. What's been what's been done though is we've eliminated 42 sections so far, 26 state and 16 um, county routes at the beginning of this year. We figure each route costs the taxpayer about 85,000 a year, and um, that's a, a, a driver's wages six months of the year plus the, the you know depreciation. So where did those route. folks go? Well, that that's the cool thing. Because, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure everybody's freaking Most out. Most of it, no, know? not really, because what we said is when you do this, we, we have public safety in mind. We don't want to dial the dial down too far, too quick. It's not like a light switch. It's more like a dimmer switch. You know, we when they need new trucks, maybe they don't buy them. You know, when people are retiring, maybe they don't replace them. Um, and I think that's where the majority of that came from. And we still need those folks for the summer work because we base our summer work off of what it takes to do winter maintenance in Wisconsin. So we need those folks. And um, now um, we're getting more into the liquid applications where we do the anti-icing and, you know, there, there's other work, winter maintenance work, that's more productive. And we can, we're hoping to use a whole lot less chlorides in the future, and route optimization is a big part of this. Um, I don't think you can do it without route optimization as efficiently, you know, just doing it from you know, old routes that we used to have. Yeah. How, how far along is Colorado, Kyle? So the first uh, round, we, we're not using a, a software system yet or an algorithm. The first round was starting a discussion with the regions on state uh, winter operations planning. So patrol by patrol, what is your plan? So I approached it much more like, crew, tell me, tell me what you do. I want to know you know, the route, I want to know the products you're using, uh, uh, application rates, and again, your the problem areas and how you treat those problem areas. So that was the first discussion that we we had with the patrols. Uh, and I, I realized I did that on purpose because I wanted to get their input. Sort of from the bottom up. Exactly. Kind of. And just from starting that discussion, they realized a lot of, I mean, self-awareness of how they want to change their routes, Right. Uh, so, let's say it's unofficial route optimization happened at a region level, or even down at a patrol area kind of level, uh, where they just, when asked to put it all down on paper and think about that, they made their own changes. So the next uh, step for us is we we are running a pilot project on I uh, I seventy uh, Mountain Corridor from Golden up to the Eisenhower Tunnel, which is a you know one of our most intense corridors. Uh, you guys are on the national news all the time. All the time, and so we're taking a look at what what's route because all the secondary routes off of that impact keeping I trucks on I seventy and keeping I seventy open. And so are we doing the right thing? So that study was uh, actually the, uh, the next meeting is Monday, the report out. And so we'll see how that pilot project's running. Uh, we will run the, <clears throat> through the summer, we'll kind of tabletop it and then run it next winter. Uh, with the intent, we'll hit other metro areas, other metro routes, take a look at them about midwinter next year when we get the contract in place. And that's when we'll bring it, bring our algorithm in, try to get to that static route for the average storm, um, right product usage, set the right cycle times for those those routes with the right resources. 
And once we get there, then we'll go statewide with it. So it's probably, we're probably three year type of process to get across the whole state for the first, first, or I'd call it second round. First round was our state ops plan, getting everybody to start that conversation. Now we'll bring in the algorithm and the software package. Uh, once we get that done, then the uh, kind of concurrently we'll just start building the dynamic route optimization, especially in the metro areas where we start bringing in real-time data sets for weather yeah, and it's, traffic. Yeah, it's kind of like you have to have a good snow plan before you right. can start optimizing, right? Yes. And that's the approach we took. We, every, you know, through history, everybody had a great snow plan, but very few people kept it up or kept it current and rethought it. They just kind of ran with it forever, and they rarely put it down on paper. Yeah. Probably Plus, the worst thing you could do is, hi, I'm Professor So-and-So, and I've optimized your routes. Uh, <laughs> you know. Well, the other thing to consider, we've spent a lot of time with this, is you know, when a plow is out plowing, whether it's a 10-hour day, 12-hour day, whatever it may be, you gotta, you got to consider a fair amount of downtime because you have a pre-trip inspection, you have a post-trip inspection, you have breaks. You have uh, lunch, you have fueling, you have reloading, you have all of that. So we had to really put some time and effort into thinking, in a typical day, how much is that plow actually plowing and how much is it doing those other things? So we really had to take that, that into account. The other things we, we looked at and, and spent some time on was try to figure out what the deadhead speed would be, try to figure out what the spreading speed would be. So there's, there's some other things, again, inputs that you really want to think about that'll uh, really skew your data one way or the other, so you really want to put a lot of effort in that initially and figuring out all of that. Yeah, I imagine where your, you know, where your garages are, where your depots are, where your stockpiles are, uh, all of that. I mean, and, and I guess all of that's on the table when you're, when you talk about optimizing your situation, right? And just how we plow interchanges, for instance, that, that takes a lot of extra time. So you, you have to take your interchanges into account. So we looked at roughly what, how much time do we spend on interchanges and roundabouts and those other features that just aren't straight up plowing down the road. Urban areas, way different than rural areas when it comes to plowing. So there's a lot of challenges. It's not easy, right? No. <laughs> it's just like, just like anything with computer modeling. You've you, you got to have good inputs to get good outputs. So yeah, yeah, garbage in, garbage out, right? Right, right. So what kind of advice would you have for folks listening uh, to this discussion that are thinking about getting into route optimization? What, what would you tell them? Hey, I would tell them to take it slow. We don't want to jeopardize public safety ever doing, cutting ourselves off too short with the amount of plows out there during winter storms. Um, and this is something that once you get into it, it's not something... It's going to be done in a year. I think it's going to be there, you know, just about forever. Because if you move a shop, you change a salt shed location or sizes of them, um, any of that stuff is going to change your, your route optimization for these plow trucks. And now, as you know, um, many states are getting into liquid applications. In liquid applications, they, the, the melting power works so much quicker that we may have to shorten plow routes. Instead of the two-and-a-half-hour cycle time, it might only be a two-hour cycle time so we don't get the refreeze. So there's, there's a lot going on with route optimization. I don't think it's uh, a one-time you get through the state and you're done. I, I see this going on for a very long time, and all the time just trying to keep uh, our, our transportation system as safe as we can but also as efficient as possible. 
You know, Kyle, you you sort of have taken this from the ground up. Had good success in Colorado that way, or you know, I'm sure in every you know you put you put a hundred people in a room. There, you know, there's going to be twenty of them that are going to say you're crazy. It doesn't matter you know what you tell me. Uh, there's probably twenty that'll all say, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing. And and there's probably those that those eighty that say you got to show me, right? Absolutely. Show me it works. Absolutely. So trying to get their buy-in, start like I said, trying to start the project where. I'm not telling you what to do, or I'm not. Uh, I'm not trying to come in and use a computer system to uh, to show you how to best run run your patrol. Why don't we start off with you tell me how you do it, and let's have a conversation about uh, bring some people in, bring some other tools in to maybe uh, you know a third party to take a look and see is there something you didn't think of, uh, and start that discussion. That's how we're approaching it. Yeah, you know, Larry, you you got a really tough situation where the legislature says you got to do this. How is how has that sort of been received by your folks? Uh, I think it's been it's been received well. Uh, we we did start like Kyle said with our uh, we had a discussion with our operators because we really wanted to know from them exactly what they're doing. Sometimes when you're watching it from a distance, you can miss things easy. So we brought our operators into it right away. Told, told them why we're doing it. Told them told them it is legislative based. But it's going to be a good process for us. It's really going to what we're going to use this for is to verify what we're doing. Um, just a couple of items on the other when we're talking about you know things you should do. Um, one of the things that we look at when we get the results is we have to realize that we have we have 350 plow trucks across our state. We know on any given day there's not going to be 350 out on the road. So what this number is going to tell us from this route optimization, we're going to take into some other factors because we know they're not all out there because of breakdowns. And our operators get sick from time to time. They're on leave from time to time. So when we get this final route optimization, we're looking at the numbers that we need to staff all of our different locations. We've got to take that into account. And I don't think this this the algorithm algorithms and the route optimization will take that into account. The other thing we thought of is you know some winters like this past winter are pretty easy. Our 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 operators get some breaks from time to time between storms, but we have winters where they can go seven days a week. Mm-hmm. We we in our state don't have a, have a large staff. We 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 plow about fourteen fifteen hours a day, and then we shut everybody down. We don't have night crews that come in. I shouldn't say we don't. We have we have three of our major cities that do have some twenty four hour plowing, but as a as a whole in our rural areas, we don't do that, and we don't have staff to do that. So we have to take that into account too. That when we get those long winters, we're going to have to send some people home from time to time, and they won't be. So we'll we'll need some extras. What I'm saying probably over what the route optimization is going to save for those long winters. So there's, I, I think we're going to look at the numbers, but we're also going to take a common sense approach and think about some of the other factors that this probably isn't going to do for us. You know, in, in, um, it, it strikes me just as you're talking about that, that you could, you could play the scenario the other way around. And if someone came to you, a boss, a politician, whoever, and said, I want to increase the level of service in this area, you could come back and say, well, if you want us to do that, here's what we're going to need to make that happen, right? Sure. We were, we're in that situation all the time in Colorado. Uh, legislatively, uh, we had question and from the public about uh, 14-hour coverage roads is what we call them, where we shut off service. Uh, 
in the in the evening hours or through the night. Thousand uh, ADT, you know, traffic volumes on those routes. Well, we get questioned all the time from rural Colorado about why. And so this past year, in front of an efficiency and accountability uh, committee from legislative committee, I presented. Okay, if you want to add, <laughs> you want to do away with the 14-hour coverage roads and have 24-hour service across all of Colorado, here's what we mean. And it was, I think they were a little bit shocked when I went more resources as opposed to funding. I think they were, they're so used to legislatively, legislators are used to, uh, I need dollars. And I, I approached a little more like I need resources. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily you can give me $10 million more for snow and ice, but I still need, I think it was 62 operators. You've got to give me the authority to hire 62 more operators, and i got to be able to hire, right. <laughs> recruit, and retain 62 operators. So we have issues in rural Colorado with pay and recruiting people, and so all the challenges around that, you got to help, help me solve all those parts right. and pieces to do away with And, and, and keep them. Right, and keep them, train them, keep them. Yeah. I need more equipment, you know. And so we had that type of discussion as opposed to, oh, here's $10 million more now, do 24-hour coverage across all this, the whole state. Yeah, and, so, that color, and that color of money is different too. So because of the work we did on route, the first cut at route optimization, I had all those numbers. I was able to do at least that type of analysis to, to uh, respond. Jim, you're in kind of a unique situation where, you know, you're, as the DOT, you're doing route optimization, but you've got the counties or your contractor. How did you go about uh, selling them? I, you know, it's just like, just like Kyle, you know, there's a percentage that won't believe what you say and another percentage that'll do whatever you want to do. But how did, how did you approach that with, with well, uh, in your situation? Well, first of all, it came to us from one of the county commissioners. And... Um, he believed in it, and he, he actually proved it worked. So I call that evidence-based maintenance. It's no longer a theory. I, we, we prove it actually works. It makes our level of service, um, keeps our level of service, and it's a safer way to go. So that was a, that was the easy part. And the other thing is most of our commissioners, a great deal of them, are very good people to work with in Wisconsin. I, I find they're just incredible people, and the work they do is incredible. The, the snowplow operators, they're incredible. They want to keep the safest section they can. They don't want anybody to have an accident or get hurt on their section. So there's a lot of pride in the work in Wisconsin. Um, taking the data to them and, and kind of educating them what it's all about and how it works. And the state never legislated this. It never forced it on any county to say you have to do this. It was all on a volunteer basis, and the final say laid, laid with the county and the county highway commissioner. And I think... Honestly, I think it's been really successful. I think it's really gaining momentum in Wisconsin. I think it's we'll we'll eventually see all 72 counties with this, and we're getting more and more trained people all the time. We have the university tops lab helping us do the routes for the counties. We have two consultants helping, and we have one staff on our crew um, in the state office building that that oversees all this and helps with it. So, um, buy-in is always you know when you're changing something is always. You know, people want to be careful. You're dealing with public safety. It's a very serious issue. So um, I think that that's, that's okay. I think that's okay to take time getting the buy-in. We can only do so much so quick anyways. And 
Um, Wisconsin has proved that route optimization works, and it works very effectively keeping the roads safer, um, reducing number of trucks out there at any one time, and the level of service has, hasn't changed at all. So, um, and, and we're always, always asked, can we do things better, more efficient for the taxpayers? And, and that's our mission, um, being public servants. So um, the counties are also public servants, so they're looking out for the, the people of Wisconsin also. Yeah. Any last-minute words of wisdom? No? You think you've left it all on the table? I think so. Okay. Well, thanks, guys, for uh, participating in PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops. Uh, I'm glad we had an opportunity to like sit down face to face here at the Clear Roads meeting and and talk about it a little bit. It's uh, I think it's uh, you know it's a great service to be able to provide. So thanks for being on Psychop Talks Winter Ops and uh, thanks for everybody that's listening. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.